You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Uh, if you want to have a seat, uh, I want to welcome those who are joining us online this morning. Uh, you may be doing that for one reason or the other, maybe... The kiddos are sick today and you're just watching online or uh, you're trying to decide whether redemption would be a church for you. Uh, we just want to uh, welcome you and, um, and this lets us know that you're uh, joining us by signing up on the app you're on. Well, we are uh, doing this series uh, right now through, uh, through Christmas called The Promise. And um, we're looking at Genesis 3, 14 and 15, and then we're using that as a launch pad to get us to the incarnation. And uh, joy will be our theme this week. Love was our theme last week. Why would God make a promise to humanity on the day that they rebelled against him, on the day that they sinned against him? And uh, we learned that uh, it was love that was the motivating factor. A love, God's love for his, uh, for his world, uh, for the lost, God's love for his people, and then God's love for his glory. That was the motivation behind the promise. And so we want to go back to the promise again this morning. I, uh, if, you're, if you're new here, we're just going to give you a quick overview of how we got to the place we're in in Genesis 3. Now, Genesis 1 and 2, we find that the world was very good, that it was perfect in all its ways, that it was a place of abundant provision, a place of blessing. Uh, there was no sin. There was intimate relationships with one another. Uh, Adam and Eve enjoyed that. Uh, but then uh, Satan comes along in the form of a serpent and tempts Adam and Eve to sin, to do the one thing. One thing. That's all. That's the only command they had. One, one command. Do not eat from this tree. And Satan is able to uh, tempt them, uh, tempt Eve to take of the fruit. They decide that it's better to trust Satan. It's better to trust, uh, to distrust God and, and to, to believe that by sinning, you will gain. And so they eat of the fruit, both Adam and Eve. And as a result of that, sin comes into the world. God is super gracious, gives them opportunity to repent, uh, but neither do. Instead, they blame and justify and, uh, and now uh, the world is not the way it was. It's hard for us to imagine a world without sin, a world without pain, because as we look around at us today, we see pain, we see suffering, we see disappointment, struggle, rejection, loneliness, sickness. They're all part of this earth. Hatred, abuse, separation, jealous, jealousy, envy. And none of these things we're in the garden before sin came. And we think about joy from that day. What, what expectation would you believe that there would be any joy based on the circumstances of they're in at this point? They're going to get the message to the serpent as to their curse. Then it's going to the woman and then it's to the man. God will be gracious to them and provide a loincloth that's not made out of fig leaves for them, for their covering. 
a reminder that the blood must be shed to be covered, uh, for our sins to be covered. But then they are forced out of the garden. We're going to find by the end of chapter 3, they're forced out of the garden, and there's cherubim guarding the way to the tree of life, and no longer can they come into the presence of God. Like, what, what would make you think that joy could ever be a part of our story based on those, uh, those circumstances? But what we find is based on the promise that there is one to come, there is hope for joy. And that's what we want to be looking at this morning. So let me pray for us, and then we'll get into it. Lord God, we are so thankful um, for your word. So thankful, God, that you are faithful, that you are good. Every promise you make, Lord, you fulfill. And Lord, we, as we are thousands of years later, we can look back on that promise and see that, Lord, you have been faithful. The one who was to come has come. His name is Jesus Christ. And Lord, we anticipate and we long for the return of Christ. And then there will be no more pain. And then there will be no more mourning. And uh, joy will be ours forevermore in your presence. But God, as we think about joy this morning, we pray that you would show us how it is that as believers we can have joy. That, that circumstances do not dictate our joy. But that, that, Lord, our joy is found in you. And God, I'm more than mindful of the fact that there are many here who are in difficult circumstances this morning. Life is hard. Lord, you told us it would be. And so, God, I pray that this message of hope that there can be joy because of what Christ has done would just encourage each one's hearts today. And that, Lord, you would use this to bring about praise to your name and to make us more like you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody needs a Bible. If you don't have one, just go ahead and slip up your hand. Uh, we are going to be looking at about 30 uh, different scriptures today. But uh, some I'll have you turn to, some I will not. Dean has been very gracious and is going uh, to put them up on the screen. But if you don't have a Bible, I want you to be able to just look down for yourself. Slip up your hand. Ushers will get it to you. And as you get that, turn to Genesis 3. I want, again, I want to just set the stage here for what we're going to be looking at in regards to the promise. And, um, and then we're going to go from there. So Genesis three, fourteen and 15. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And as we looked at last week, verse 14 is the curse upon the snake, the serpent, the one that was used to bring about the temptation. Of course, it wasn't him alone. We know it was Satan. It was behind him, and we see that in verse 15, that uh, as a result of this temptation, as a result of what Satan has done, there's going to be enmity between man and the snake as uh, sorry, Satan, and that's going to be for all of time until God take, ends it, right? How do we know he's going to end it? That's the promise. There's going to become one born of woman. We talked about this last week. Not, not 
from Adam. It says born of woman, which points us to the virgin birth, which we celebrate at this time of year of Christ coming to this earth through the Virgin Mary. And so born of woman, she will, this one will come and he will destroy Satan. But in the meantime, Satan will continue to try to come against mankind. And we've seen that all through our history. Just a little commentary on the promise we find in uh, the New Testament, helping us to know how, about the, how it was that, that, that Jesus came and defeated Satan. That's what he did when he first came, his first coming, and he will finish the job when he returns. But it says, Paul says this, commenting on what Jesus accomplished at the cross, Colossians 2.15, it says this, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ, right? In Him. So at the cross, the victory was given over our enemies. And so today, if you are in Christ, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, right? Satan no longer has any power over the believer because of us being in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who makes true joy possible. We're going to be talking about this. I love what Graham was talking about earlier in regards to joy. Uh, the way I want us to kind of frame it this, uh, this morning is there is joy as the world gives, and then there is joy as God gives, as Christ gives. Joy as the world gives is temporary. It's, it's futile. Joy as the Lord gives is eternal, and it is constant. And this is the difference we're going to see. Uh, Jesus is the one who makes true joy possible. Paul, writing to the Galatians and alluding to Genesis 3.15, he writes this, Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. With the curse in Genesis 3, we find that we are now separated from God. But now that Jesus has come, the promised one, the one who was to come, and we talked about this last week, all through the Old Testament, there's like, who is he going to be? What's he going to look like? What family is he coming from? And, and throughout the Old Testament, they all point to Jesus. And then Jesus comes, born of woman, born under the law, so that we might become the children of God. No longer separated from him. And so as we think about you know, joy to the world, the song that we sung earlier, we think about Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we, we hear about the great joy that we might have as a result of his coming. He says this, Fear not, for behold, this is the angel speaking to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Joy is now for all people. I think that's significant. When we think about the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ, it's not just for a particular group of people. It wasn't just for the Jews. It started with the Jews, but it went beyond the Jews. And every person on this earth has given the opportunity to have great joy. How? Through the one who went to the city of David, who was born in Bethlehem. It is through him that we might have joy, great joy. And that is because he is what? The Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
Because of our sin, we all needed a Savior. Because Jesus came, we have hope of having great joy through the good news that, that Jesus has come as our Savior. Butler put it like this, Joy centers not in something you earn or possess. Joy comes from God's gift, a tiny baby in a feed trough. But what a baby, born in David's town. The child clasped heaven's greatest titles in his small fist, Savior. God's title becomes the baby's. Like, isn't that incredible? Like, we got a few babies around here this morning, all right? And it's always fun to just be thinking about, okay, like, like God came in that form as the Savior, There was no doubt whether the plan was going to go through. Why? Because God is that powerful. And so when he makes a plan and says, this is how you will receive great joy. It is going to be through this baby that is born in Bethlehem. We believe it. And we we, we see that as he is born, he fulfills everything that he was been called to do, which was to go to the cross to die for sinners like you and I. Every aspect of what he promised through Genesis 3.15, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The wise men, what kind of faith did they have? They traveled a great distance to find this king who was born in the city of David in Bethlehem. They didn't know where he was to be born. They just were following the star. They get to town, and Herod and, and, the, and the people who were there, they, they, he, Herod's like, well, where's he supposed to be born? Guess what? They knew. Right? Why? How did they know? Because the Old Testament had told them so. And so they continue on. Then the star comes over and resides over the home that they were at, over Joseph and Mary, and what? They bow down and they worship him. And how? With great joy. We find in Matthew 2. They do with great joy. What we're going to find as we go through this morning, joy in worship go hand in hand. I love, again, what Graham said earlier. Sometimes you need to choose consciously to praise. And then the joy comes. Circumstances in life are going to come and go. Some circumstances are painful, but if we choose, then we can't, choose worship, then we will receive joy. So let's just break this down. As we think about what we received in Adam... All of us have sinned. If you're new here this morning, I'm sorry, that's bad news for you, okay? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. Because of the promise, the promise leads us from the sorrow of sin, first of all, to the joy of repentance. From the sorrow of sin to the joy of repentance. As we, as we get past the garden, we see that humanity is striving continually to find joy, in this world, there's all kinds of troubles, right? Uh, there's a lot of people who deal with depression or anxiety or a host of other pains that this world offers, and they try to escape that pain. They try to escape that sorrow, that hurt, that loneliness, and, and fill it with joy. And, and they'll do it in all kinds of different ways, right? It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be like pursuing riches. If I just get enough stuff, Maybe I'll finally find that, feel that hole in my life, that, that joy that I'm seeking. I'm, I'm continually restless. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe that's how I'll finally be, have joy in my life and I won't hurt anymore. 
There was a guy, his name was Solomon. Like he did that on steroids, right? And, and, and richest man alive. And, and he pursued it all. He, he told us he, he, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, I went after it all. I mean, relationships, I mean, good grief, right? Uh, not, not healthy, right, in any sort of the way. But he, he was trying to fill, fill, fill that, 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 that pursuit of, of joy in this world from the things of this world. And in the end, what was his conclusion? Meaningless. It's all meaningless. In other words, is, another way you could put it is vanity. It's here for a moment and gone. You, you, get, you get pleasure as long as that thing lasts and then it's gone again. And the joy that you were seeking, it just you're grasping at straws. MacArthur says this, people want, 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 want. And they rush toward that want, driven by their impulses. They fulfill that want, and very often, not long after they have fulfilled that lust, it turns to grief. It is short-lived, this pleasure. It is only as good as the time you're enjoying the pleasure that you can enjoy the joy. The joy that doesn't last beyond the pleasure. Job, put it like this, Job 20, verses 4 and 5. Do you not know this from of old, since man was placed on earth, that the exalting of the wicked is short, and the joy of the godless but for a moment? I mean, we see evidence of this over and over and over again all over the earth, right? I mean, how many people in Hollywood have died this last year? Like... Here for a moment and gone. And they pursued everything that, that the world promised, you know, the, the riches, the fame, this is going to make me happy, and they're miserable. But it won't be for me. It'll be different for me. That's what everybody says. That's what everybody thinks. And if you've grown up in the church and you're a teenager here today, you're kind of maybe in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do the God thing later. But right now, i got to have fun. i got to pursue pleasure. That, that's what's going to fill me. That's what's going to really you know, get me through my first you know, 10 years out of my adulthood. And then maybe once I have some kids, then we'll go back to church again. But, but sin destroys. I hope you see that over and over again as we go through these, these different passages. Sin is it, it's, it's not good. Every time we choose to sin, we choose to suffer. We're going to say that several times throughout this morning. And what we truly need is the gift of repentance. And we see this in Psalm 51. I want us to turn there together this morning, Psalm 51. And we think about this psalm, we, we, we need to just get a little background here. Psalm 51 was written by King David. And David did many mighty things for God. He was a man of great faith. We're told in the scriptures that he was a man after God's own heart. And, and, and when he was being pursued by Saul, when he was going against great circumstances, he continually turned to God and seen his refuge in him. But then he kind of put his feet up, so to speak. And we read that when the kings were off at war, uh, David is a king, he's not off at war. That's the first negative sign. He's out on the rooftop. He sees a gal. 
He has that gal brought to him. His name, her name was Bathsheba. She was married to Uriah. And he commits adultery with her. She gets pregnant. He's got to cover it up. He can't let anybody know what's happened. I know this is what I'll do. I'll bring in Uriah. Say, hey, hey, man, like, why don't you and Bathsheba hang out some? That'd be great. He's like, yeah, how can I do that? Uriah is such a righteous man. He's like, how can I do that while everybody else is off at war? Again, indictment against David. And so, what? He has Uriah killed. He, he's just hiding his sin. I gotta, I gotta just keep it locked down. And, and, and it seems like nobody knows until Nathan the prophet comes. He does a little parable about sin. And David has a righteous anger about what's going on. And Nathan says, you're the man. You're the man. His sin is now exposed. In Psalm 32, we read that, that, that keeping the sin to himself, it was literally physically hurting him. That, that, that his body was being broken down as a result of, of, of this unconfessed sin in his life. But then we see the gift of repentance that God gives him. And we see this in Psalm 51. And David says this, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. God, I've sinned against you. Everything that you say against me is true. I confess it to be true. I'm, I'm not making any excuses for my sin. Verse 5. He says this, Behold, I, I was brought forth iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Pid, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be water, whiter than snow. God, God, only you can forgive my sins. Only you can cleanse me from, from what I have done. And then if you do that, Lord, then I will be purified. I will be cleansed. And this is, the, this is what every believer believes, that, that only God can forgive through Jesus Christ. That, that, that as we give our sins to him, that he does cleanse us. That he does make us white as snow and pure before him. And then he says this, verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me. The word for create it takes us back to Genesis. That only God can create. He's saying, God, only you can do this. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And then he says this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. God, take my sin, remove it from me. 
Give me a new heart again, God. A heart that, that, that loves truth. A, a heart that, that longs for your, for your glory, for your honor. A right spirit within me. God, would you not take your Holy Spirit from me? Now, Old Testament versus New Testament, okay? Old Testament, spirit would come upon you. Saul, spirit was on him, taken away because of unrighteousness, because of the lack of repentance in his life. And David said, don't do to me what you did to to Saul. Now, New Testament, if you're in Christ, the Spirit's with you and always will be with you. So it's a a little different there. But, But he's saying this, and then he says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation. When we are saved from our sins, we have a joy that nobody can take away from you. To be forgiven is the greatest joy that any of us here can know. To to have the weight of our sins, and it's not just a few. You don't just have a few sins. You, 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 have, you have a truckload, right? You, 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 you just think about the, the abundance of sin that you, get, you have against God. Like it, 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 it would just drop us to the ground if we really understood just how sinful we are. And by God's grace, he, he slowly shows us more and more all the time so that we might see that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. But when God forgives your sin, he forgives all your sins. The past, the present, the future. When Christ paid for your debt on the cross, he didn't do like 80% job. He, He paid for every one of your sins. And as a result of that, you are free from that guilt. You are free from that punishment that should be upon you. The wrath that was supposed to be on you now has been upon Christ. And instead, God has given you his perfect righteousness. And so you are pure before him as a result of that. That's something to rejoice in this morning. I mean, you could have lost your job this last week. You could find out that you have, you have some deadly illness this week. But nobody can take that joy away from you. That, that you are saved, that you are in Christ. And, and so sometimes our circumstances are such that they're not something to rejoice over. There's something to lament. There's something to weep over. But at the same time, you have this inner joy in you, but I am a child of God because he has forgiven me. That, 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 that though this world would be full of trouble, my greatest trouble has been taken care of through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I, 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 I don't know where you're at. When it comes to sin, have, have you experienced the joy of repentance? To, to no longer be carrying that weight of sin yourself. No longer trying to, oh, you know, I got I to gotta keep, you know, keep, put on the face, you know, make, make sure everybody thinks I'm a good person. Hopefully God thinks I'm a good person too. You know, I did a few nice things this, this, this last year, you know. Uh, hopefully, you know, you'll, you kind of view them like Santa Claus, you know, hopefully I'm not on the naughty list, you know, but if you're not in Christ, you're on the naughty list. Every one of us. But 
If you're in Christ, then you have been forgiven. And so this morning, if you've never repented of your sins, then this morning I, I would pray that you would recognize that you have sinned against a holy God, that you would fall down and, and, and you would just say this same prayer. God, forgive me. I cast my transgressions upon you. I'm asking you that you make me pure as snow, that you make me white as snow, and that you would create in me a clean heart. I believe what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, new things have come. And so that's what we're praying for everyone here this morning. And I, I want you, not, not just the unbeliever, but I want you to be thinking, are, you, are some of you like David here this morning as a believer? You're like David, running strong. You're doing great, but you've taken your foot off the pedal. And you're walking in sin right now. It's not like just a one-off, like you're just, that's your pattern of life right now. You're not turning to God for joy, you're turning to whatever else in your life for joy. And you're keeping it hidden, nobody else knows about it right now, you're just kind of, I got it handled, I'll figure it out, you know, I'll get, I'll get back to God at some point. Repent today. Don't, don't let it continue on. You're being lied to by Satan. That what you're doing is going to bring any kind of fulfillment, any kind of joy in your life. It's not. It will result in destruction. And so repent now and give that to the Lord. Tell a brother or sister, put it out in the open so that, so that you, it doesn't have life there anymore and you get that accountability. They can come alongside you and help you. Know the joy of repentance if you don't have joy in your life right now, it could be because you're walking in sin. MacArthur says this, there's only one thing, one thing that legitimately should steal your joy. What is it? Sin. And it shouldn't steal it for very long because you immediately should, what? Confess that sin and rejoice in God's forgiveness. And so I'm praying for the joy of repentance for everyone here this morning. Secondly, the promise that we see in Genesis 3.15 leads us from the sorrow of separation to the joy of restoration. From the sorrow of separation to the joy of restoration. Again, we go back to the book of Genesis and we see what ought to be in Genesis 1 and 2. These intimate, close relationships. Like, like it... When we read that Adam and Eve were naked and were not ashamed, it's because there was nothing to hide. They, they, they had the, 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 the closest relationship that a man and woman have ever known on this earth. And sadly, because of sin, nobody's getting back to what Adam and Eve had in the garden. We strive for it through Christ. We're, we're able to, to, to push towards it as we keep our eyes on Him, but but there's a separation that happens as a result of sin. Separation from one another, and then separation from God. I've already mentioned, but in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that there must have been this pattern where God would show up in the garden. That that was possible to, to live in the presence of God. Can you imagine how incredible that would have been? 
But now as a result of sin, they're hiding. And then at the end of chapter 3, we're going to see them driven out of the garden. No longer able to come into the presence of God. The sin of separation. Sin always separates. If you're being lied to and and you're in a relationship where you're continually walking in sin because you love one another, that will, at some point, that sin will separate you. If you do not do things God's way, it will separate you. It's never, it, it, it promises everything. Sin always does this and brings pain. And so we've seen this with Adam and Eve. They've, they've sinned against God. They, they, their, their, their relationship now is not what it was. Their separation from in, in their, their relationship. And now they cannot come to Christ. Or they cannot come to God. But as I've already said, that if you repent of your sin, then you are able now to come in to the presence of God. This is the fruit of our repentance. We're no longer separated from Him. I I love the picture that that, that God gives us on that Good Friday. I, I can't imagine what those priests were thinking that day in the temple. Where that curtain that separated man from God in the Holy of Holies, it's torn in two. Like, what a beautiful picture. Like, God's like, done. Who's coming in? Who's coming now into my presence through Jesus Christ, through the completed work that he has done? And when we come, uh, when we come to faith in Christ, then we, at any moment of any day, we can come into his presence. And not only that, he gives us his Holy Spirit to live within us. And so now you are in the Lord. And so when we read Philippians 4.4, 4, where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in what? In the Lord. Paul's writing uh, the book of Philippi, or Philippians to who? He's writing to the church of Philippi. Where is he writing it from? Prison. Okay? We're not, we're not talking like a, you know, beautiful kind of prison here either. Okay? You know, it wasn't like, yeah, you know, I'm getting my college degree while I'm in here, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm hitting the weights each day. I mean, that's not this prison. A miserable existence. And he's already been through so much pain. And so when he says, rejoice in the Lord always, like, what's he talking about? How is that possible to rejoice in the Lord always? And then he says, hey, I'll say it again. Maybe you didn't catch it. Rejoice. Why is he saying it twice? Because it's hard. But he's commanding us to do this. Sproul, I love what Sproul says here in regards to being in the Lord. The key to the Christian's joy is its source, which is the Lord. If Christ is in me and I am in him, that relationship is not a sometimes experience. The Christian is always in the Lord and the Lord is always in the Christian. And that is always a reason for joy. 
Even if the Christian cannot rejoice in his circumstances, if he finds himself passing through pain, sorrow, or grief, he can still rejoice in Christ. We rejoice in the Lord, and since he never leaves us or forsakes us, for, or forsakes us we can always rejoice. See, it's not, it's not in our circumstances that we get our joy. It's in the fact that we are now in the Lord. And that he is in us. That's where we find our joy. If we're being honest, Christians, Canadians, we still too often find our joy in our circumstances. If you ask how you're doing, and I love, I love how Graham put it, you know, are you joyful this morning? You know, some people are like, nope. Well, hopefully you're just talking about your circumstances. Because in Christ, we're always joyful. Why? Because we're his kid. He, he's a good father. He's taking care of us. And whatever circumstances we're going through, we're like, you know what? We can trust him. In fact, we can cry out to him. That's what we find in the verses that follow. I, I think this is, we, got, we can't separate the, these two. Philippians 4, 5. What does he say? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Every circumstance that you're going through, he's there with you. Whether it is the good times or the hard times, he is there with you. He's at hand. So what? Do not be anxious about anything. Man, he's using some superlatives here, right? Always anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. What? By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Give all your stresses to him. And what? And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a great reminder. <clears throat> Perhaps you've had a frog in your throat and you can't get rid of it. You know, maybe that's a, that's a circumstance you might have. So what's that telling us? Okay, as I'm going through life, I guess God just wants me to, <laughs> this is great, I just got fired. You know, this is good. I don't know where we're going to live. Is that, like, is that what we're talking about here? No, that's a bad thing. It's hard. But the Lord is at hand. He's with you. So now give that worry to him, knowing that he cares for you. And, and, and as you do that, you, 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 you get your mind and, and, and your eyes off of your circumstances and you get them on Him. And you come into His presence and you see His love and His care for you. That He is over this situation, though you don't see how this is going to turn out well. He, he's got it. He's got it covered. It may not be easy. You, you may have sorrow through it. You may cry. You may lament the, the pain. Listen. God knows what it is to have pain in this earth, on this earth. 
Jesus lived here. Remember that? He's been through everything that you've got, you're going through. He, he knows what it is to, to have sorrow and pain and rejection and loneliness. He, he knows all of those, those things that they're a part of living this life. And he says, now trust me. Trust me, I'm, I'm with you. Cast these things. I, I love that's what Peter says, cast these things. That word for cast isn't like, here, here you go, God. You hold one side and I'll hold the other. No, it's like throw, throw. You give it to him. You know, one of the things that I, I'm seeing is, is a general thing in the church right now is that there's a lot of anxiety. Just like faithful, godly people are just anxious right now. Because our world's kind of crazy. But I just would remind you, cast those things on God. When, it, when the worry comes, when that anxiousness comes, give it to him. He's at hand. He's with you. Trust him with that circumstance. And then, and then allow yourself to, to remember you are in him and he is in you. And so you can have joy in the circumstance. An inner, deeper joy. Not some kind of fake smile, but a joy knowing that he, you're his kid. As we think about the separation thing, I also want to just highlight this. As a result of us being in Christ, we're going to hit this more next week when we think about peace with one another, but as a result of our being in Christ, we are now part of a body of Christ. And, and, and part of the joy that we have on this earth is this. It's having relationships with one another. I like what John had to say in 3 John 4. He said this about his disciple Gaius, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Is that, is that, something, is that a source of joy for you? As, you? as you're discipling others, as you're encouraging them in the Lord, you're like, I'm so happy. I, 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 I'm seeing, like, they used to really doubt and they were really struggling in this particular area of their life, but, but they have victory now. And they're really trusting the Lord. And now, now I see that like God's moving them over here. And, and, and I just have, there's no greater joy than seeing them do well in the Lord. Paul felt the same way when speaking of his brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 3, 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. We, we ought to take great joy in seeing one another do well in the Lord, in spurring one another on. It is a privilege that we have as children of God. And, and then we have the, 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 the privilege of just coming together and worshiping God together. Uh, church in jammies is not what we ought to be striving for, Right? I mean, I, there's like 17 different bugs going on. Sometimes you have to do church in jammies, but that ought not to be a lifestyle. Uh, that you, you cannot receive the same joy in, 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 in the body of Christ if you're not actually together. Second John uh, 12, John says this, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. I would rather not use live stream. Right? 
Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. 2 Timothy 1.4, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. There is such enjoyment that we receive by, by our fellowship together, our oneness in Christ as we strive together to bring glory and honor to him. Thirdly, the promise leads us from the sorrow of pain to the joy of praise. As we consider, again, the cost of sin, uh, over and over again, we we see that it leads to pain. When we think about our relationships and and the problems that we have, it's a result of sin. It destroys and it it results in pain in our lives. But, But if we trust in the Lord, then... We see the world totally different. When, when, you're, when you're striving after sin and, you know, just kind of like it's, it's grasping after the wind, trying to find joy in your life, it, it's just futile and it results in pain. But when you are in Christ, when you're in the Lord, then you see that joy doesn't come from those things, but they come from different things. I want to just highlight some of the different things that you see once you come to faith in Christ. Number one is that the word of God, which before Christ you were running from, you were rejecting and rebelling against, the word of God brings joy to your life. Do you believe that this morning? Psalm 119, 111, 112. He says this, your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Is this the joy of your heart? Each day you just cannot wait to read more of God's word. You love it because as you walk in obedience to it, it brings you joy. Psalm 32, 10 and 11. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Like that's where we find our joy is in righteousness, is in walking in his ways. Psalm 43, 3 and 4, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding Joy, and I will praise you with the leer, oh God, my God. Like I, he's just like, God, lead me. And I can't wait now to come into your presence to worship you. And note with the leer, worship in song. That's what you see over and over again. That, that uh, uh, one of the primary ways that our joy is expressed is through worship and song. And so that's why it's such an important part of our gathering together is to worship the Lord in song. You know, even the things that, you know, you used to take joy in, like a good steak, right? Is that okay to say still? Okay, I think, or whatever your thing is, tofu, whatever. Um, those things, though, though, though they bring temporary joy, now we can, we can give thanks to the one who gave them to us. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive. This includes every blessing that we have. If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Every blessing, every good thing we have comes from God. So if you are enjoying a good steak, 
That's a good thing. But then give thanks to the one who gave it to you and rejoice in him. We rejoice in the fact that we can now take refuge in the Lord. Psalm 5, 11, 12. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread protection over them that those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Let them sing forever. For you. So let, let them ever sing for joy. Psalm 95, I just want to highlight there, it says what? Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I can't sing. That's okay. Right here, that's you. Making a joyful noise, okay, to the Lord. For those who can sing, you see there, uh, a little bit later, with a song of praise, right? This is to be the, the, the thing that we do as believers, as we look to Him. That's what we're able to do because He is worthy of our worship, we make a joyful noise to him. We're just running short on time, so I want to just kind of quickly go through these. Before God, you worshipped yourself and you worshipped everything else. But now we get to worship him. Psalm 33, if you want to put that one up, Dean. Uh, Psalm 33, 1. Shout for joy in the Lord, all you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Like, like, as a people of God, we have joy as we worship Him. As you worship Him, you have joy. Do you see how they go together? As we walk in His ways, we see that they are good and they bring us joy. And as we read His Word, we, we, we see that it is good and it brings us joy. 1 Chronicles sixteen twenty seven. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Where, where will you find joy? Will you continually try to seek it in this world? Where will you find it where it's found? In his presence. The psalmist, this was their testimony. Psalm 30, verse 11. You have turned me... For, Turn for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And so we give thanks. Joy is a proper response, a proper act of appreciation for the work of Christ in our lives. And then lastly, I just want to highlight this. The sorrow of futility to the joy of fulfillment. Well, when this world was first created, it was good, right? We know that it was good. But when sin came, it became under the curse. It, it became under, under futility, as it says in Romans chapter 8. It, it, it's never quite doing what it could have done, right? Genesis 1 and 2, it was, it was doing everything it was created to do. But as a result of the curse, it's, it's not doing everything that it ought to be doing. We see that on a weekly basis. In order for us to, to get produce, there's, it takes a lot of hard work, right? And so the, the creation is under futility. But we know that that's not permanent based on the promise from Genesis 3.15. 
Romans 8.21 says this, Creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Like, this isn't it. And this is really important for us to remember this morning. This isn't it. This isn't heaven. Not anywhere close to heaven. I think you know that. Maybe sometimes we need to be reminded. This is not eternal. This is where you're not spending, you're not spending here uh, this, in this world for eternity. There's, there's a day coming soon when Christ is going to return. It's just a matter of time. And this brings us joy. I, I remember when Hope was fighting for her life in, in the hospital. We didn't know if she's going to live or not. Just Just the remembrance that Christ can come back at any moment brought us hope, brought us joy. If if Christ is coming back tomorrow, we can do anything for just one more day. And and, and we can have joy and anticipation that we're we're just about to get out of here. Like, the futility is going to be replaced by fulfillment. God is faithful to do everything he's promised to do. And and this creation is going to be remade. It's it's no longer going to be subject to futility. And we're going to get back to, well, it's even going to be better. Because there's going to be no Satan around. But we're going to have a perfect world that we get to live in. His presence forevermore. A couple of verses. Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous brings joy. Nobody can change our joy. But the expectation of the wicked, it will perish. Again, a word of warning this morning. If you're trusting in the things of this world, your hope will perish. But the hope of the righteous will bring joy. Psalm 16, 9 through 11. The psalmist says this, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. You know, he's not wondering whether his, his hope is there, whether his joy is, is, he's secure in what? You will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. David's talking about this himself. I, I know that I'll be resurrected someday, but, but both Paul and Peter point out why could he have that hope? Because he's talking about Jesus Christ. He was not the Holy One. Jesus was not abandoned to Sheol. Instead, he was risen again. And so we have hope in him today. And then he says this, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. And we long for that. We, we cannot wait to be in his presence. We get to come in a spiritual sense before the throne of God. But one day we're going to come in a physical sense. We're going to come before him. We're going to bow before him. We're going to worship him. And we will know the fullness of joy. The day is coming. It's coming soon. For sake of time, you've got to do some homework for me. First Peter 1. I want you to read verses 3 through 9. And what you'll find is that you have an inheritance. If you're in Christ this morning, if you have, you have an inheritance kept in heaven for you. It's there. It's imperishable. It's unfading. It's certain. And because of that, we rejoice. Nobody can take that joy away from us. It's certain. And so we may not 
take joy in the circumstances of our life right now, but we can take joy in what? We're forgiven our sins. We are in Christ Jesus. We're in the Lord today. We can take joy in his word and walking in obedience to his commands. We can take joy in what is to come. That one day soon, sin, death, Satan will be all gone. And we will be in his presence where, where, where joy is full. And it's coming soon. And so this morning, I pray for you. I know that some of you are just, there's a, burden, so it's a great burden. But I, I pray that you would know the joy, that deep inner joy in your life. Worship him today, no matter what circumstances you're going through. Give him praise. Choose that today and find joy in him. Let me pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for the time together this morning. And God, I, I do pray for your people. God, I know for some the circumstances are just, they're overwhelming. But God, I pray that they would take their eyes off the circumstances and give them upon you. Lord, as they do that, maybe they'd be reminded of the joy of forgiveness, that all their sins have been washed away, that, Lord, that they are now your child, that, Lord, you're caring for them even in what they're going through, that, Lord, you're using what they're going through to make them more like you, to bring yourself glory and honor, and that one day soon, we will share in your glory. We will be in your presence. And all that troubles us will be gone. Lord, we long for that day. Lord, we're thankful that nobody can take the joy away from us that we have in you. Lord, may that be so. May that be uh, what we experience as we go through this coming week. For your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.